What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine doctor. I get to consult people around the world via webcam and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, Ketotarian, and my brand new book, Gut Feelings. If you wanna learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, becoming a patient, we actually have brand new telehealth patient options now open, and there's lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And listeners of The Art of Being Well, we're giving away free signed books of your choice every single month, no matter when you listen to this episode. So you can, all you have to do is head on over to Apple Podcast and rate and review The Art of Being Well there. Tell us what you love about the show. And every month, my team and I will be going through the Apple Podcast reviews. You can do it two different ways. You can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple Podcast review itself, or you could Take a screenshot of your Apple Podcast review and message me on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole. And every month, my team and I will be going through the messages on Instagram as well as the Apple Podcast reviews themselves and randomly picking winners every single month. I'll reach out to you. I'll ask which book you want me to sign. It could be gut feelings. It could be intuitive fasting, inflammation spectrum, ketotarian, anyone. And I'll send it out to you. All right. As you all know, on a regular basis... We have, let me just, for people that are new listeners, (laughs) we have the regular format. I consider it the regular format when I'm talking to one of my friends in the health and wellness space. And then we have the Ask Me Anything episodes where we answer your burning health questions. And the third format of The Art of Being Well is this format right here. It's the mental health is physical health episode, which is really a science, health and wellness nerd deep dive where we get very granular about what what are what is a functional medicine approach, what's a clinical functional medicine approach to specific type of health issues. So we've talked about different autoimmune problems. We've talked about hormonal problems. We've talked about brain health issues. We talked about digestive issues, things that we see on an hourly basis at the telehealth center. So go back to listen and listen to the past episodes if you're interested in this stuff. And we are siloing in very specific areas. We realize health is 
there's a confluence of variables and people don't just have that one thing. So I would encourage you to go back to listen to this, these past episodes in the mental health is physical health to get a broader perspective. So the caveat for these episodes is we take more into consideration than just the one thing, but that's why we have separate episodes because it's hours and hours and hours of content and approaches as far as the variables we take into consideration. So keep that in mind. These health issues do not happen in a vacuum. The body is interconnected. But the concept, mental health, it's physical health, is the major part of our clinic and how mental health is not separate from physical health. It is physical health. And it's really the topic of what I talk about in my latest book, Gut Feelings. We're talking about gut and feelings, the physiological, the physical stuff, and the mental, emotional, spiritual stuff, and the interplay between the two, the interconnectedness between the two. So to represent, proverbially represent, and physically represent, <laughs> literally representing, we have a gut or a physical side, and we have a feelings and a mental health side. So to represent that here, we have two members of the telehealth clinic. On the physical health side, we have Andrea, who's Hello. the chief Functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. She is the chief <laughs> of the clinic. She's the chief. And then on the feeling side, we have mental emotional expert Candace. Hey, everybody. I'm going to use chief all day now, Andrea, just so you know. <laughs> chief and chiefess. We have the yin and the yang. We have the as above, so below, all here. And so today's topic is going to be testosterone. So we're talking all about testosterone, high testosterone, low testosterone, what are symptoms of testosterone imbalances. Mm -hmm. Go back and listen to the past episodes. We talked about estrogen, progesterone. We've talked about cortisol levels. So these hormonal, hormonal pathways do not happen in a vacuum, to repeat myself, but we're going to be focusing in. If you know you have low testosterone or if you're curious about learning about it or you think it may be an issue listen to this episode. If you know somebody else that has a t low testosterone issues or, or testosterone problems, share this episode. So let's first dive into what a diagnostic approach would look like from a functional medicine perspective. It's going to start with health history. We don't want to just run labs for the sake of it. Yes. And then we want to get into labs. We would run blood tests to look at free and total testosterone. We could look at DHEA levels. And then we typically would run a, what's called a Dutch test, which is a dried urine test, which is looking at free fraction hormones. It's what's getting into the cells, which we get that with free testosterone via blood, but it gives us a more, I would say, nuanced perspective of androgens, which testosterone is one type of androgen. So do you want to go over some biomarkers that we typically look at on that test? Yeah, I think we could talk about not just the test itself, because I do think the Dutch test, but I also, you touched a little bit on our intake and what we look at there and some of the questions that we ask. Mm. So I think that that's a that's really a good, good point. point. Yeah, let's, with, ask, let's go over some. Okay, so well, you want me to go over labs first or the- Well, whatever. Okay, yeah. we'll talk about the lab. So first, one of the things, because I want people to realize that you don't, you are intuitive too. And there are signs that we have to clinically take into consideration when you're describing things that you are going through. But if we are looking at a lab and we are do have that data, that's a good thing for us to have. So we use a company called Precision Analytical and they do, it's called a Dutch test. And some of the things that we look at for testosterone, one, we have to consider if you are a male or a female, because those 
are going to be different depending on the results. And then for male, a lot of times it's also age. So there's mm -hmm. this broad range that we look at of total testosterone. And we want to look at optimal, not average. Keep yes. that in mind, everybody. You can be within the quote unquote labs, conventional labs reference range. But people that are going to labs, it doesn't mean you're feeling good, even though you're in that quote unquote reference range. So it's not exactly. just, yeah, and that's a good point. And many women don't really realize that testosterone levels are important for them too. 100%. And it's made in testicles for men. It's made in ovaries for women, testosterone levels are. So sorry to interrupt. Andrea. No, it's okay. Yeah. But you have to understand, like Dr. Cole said, testosterone is important. And for women, it's like you said, it's, we don't have testicles, but we do have ovaries and we do have adrenals and we do have adipose fat tissue. So this is where Ours is maybe not as static as men's because it's produced in one particular spot for ma majority of it. But again, Dr. Cole's point, there is an optimal range. So we're looking at that. Are you, you may be quote normal, but is it optimal for what your goals are and what we're seeing symptom wise? I mean, we also look at DHEA. That's mm -hmm. also another component it's of it. It's a precursor. DHEA and pregnenolone are precursors. So yeah, you're right about that. We want to look at not just the androgens themselves, but what are the precursors? Because yeah. you can have deficiencies of those too, which inhibit. So sometimes yeah. hormone repl replenishment or replacement therapy isn't needed. It's just a deficiency of either micronutrients or these precursors like DHA and pregnenolone. Yeah. And epitestosterone is also something we look at in the endosterone. Why can't I ever say that one well? <laughs> it's okay. These are weird words. Yeah. These are weird words. So let's talk about some functions that that testosterone has in the body. Remember we mentioned, doesn't matter who you are, we want to make sure testosterone is optimal for you and your levels. So if testosterone is not optimal, it could be impacting your body fat composition. Mm -hmm. It could be impairing your metabolic health. Low testosterone is associated with obesity, metabolic syndrome, type 2 diabetes, insulin resistance. There's one study, a clinical trial of a small study looking at 39 men with lowered bioavailable testosterone levels in type 2 diabetes, replenishing their testosterone improved body composition. They were able to burn fat and had better metabolic health. It increases sexual function. People that have low libido, this is a not to say that testosterone is the only component to low libido, but it is, can impact men and women for sure. And we see this all the time and they think, yeah, it's normal for me. Well, it may not be normal. It's just ubiquitous. It's just so common for you that you're normalizing it. And people just think it's their personality. But oftentimes it's not the personality, it's a hormonal imbalance. Testosterone increases bone mineral density. It increases muscle mass mm -hmm. and muscle growth. It reduces the risk of heart disease. A meta-analysis of 29 clinical trials and 1,000 people found that testosterone reduces total cholesterol, which we know total cholesterol by itself is not the best predictor, but it improves the subfractionation of these particles that carry cholesterol. It tends to improve these small dense LDL particles. It improves high triglycerides, which these are signs of insulin resistance, which makes sense. If you're decreasing insulin resistance by testosterone's effect in the body, you're going to be improving lipids oftentimes because it's insulin resistance that's typically for most people or a lot of people that's really impacting the quality of the particles that carry cholesterol. And of course, the body then starts storing glucose or blood sugar as circulating fats or triglycerides. So oftentimes, high triglycerides and low HDL 
the mechanism of action is insulin resistance. That's what's going on here, which testosterone can play a role in many people. And then in men, what we'll see is over aromatization. There's an enzyme called aromatase that the liver is making, which is where insulin resistance is predominantly happening. And men will convert testosterone into estrogen more, where you'll see that they'll have enlarged breast area and they will have low libido, they'll have weight loss resistance, they have fatigue, and they think it's just getting older. Well, it's not that. It's Yes, it's happening as you're getting older, because it's a chronic health issue, but it's one that's largely reversible and overcomable and healable. Something I think yeah. is good to mention for women too, because you listed a lot of symptoms. I think those are great. Low libido, you know, muscle mass decline, but for women too, specifically, low testosterone can impact vaginal health. There's some mm-hmm. studies that show that even some topical mm-hmm. testosterone can increase women's vaginal health and, and make sex more enjoyable for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So for anybody, we're looking about even your mood. We see a lot of people that have depression. They just feel lethargic. They lack the way that some people say it to me. They'll say, I just lack a a zest for life. Well, it's oftentimes, not to say that's only testosterone because it's not, but it's you oftentimes find low T as being at least a component as to why they feel the way that they do. So these are and then hair changes too. I don't want to forget about that. Like brittle, thinning hair, can you can see that Female too. Female pattern baldness. Yeah. Have you heard about zero acre cultured oil? I love this stuff. It's great for our health and it's also great for the health of our planet. Because did you know that seed oils are a huge problem? They've been linked to widespread health and environmental issues, yet they're in almost everything we eat. Seed oils are cheap and are found in most restaurants and packaged foods. Just turn around the box or the can and read the label. They are high in pro-inflammatory linoleic acid and omega-6 fatty acids. Zero Acre is here to change that. Their cultured oil is an all-purpose cooking oil with over 90% heart-healthy and heat-stable monounsaturated fats. It has more monounsaturated fat than even olive and avocado oils and up to 10 times less omega-6 fats than olive and avocado oils. Cultured oil contains less than 3% omega-6, while olive and avocado oils can contain up to 21% or more omega-6 fatty acids. It also has a high smoking point of 485 degrees Fahrenheit and a clean, neutral taste, making it perfect for everything from cooking and baking to salad dressings. My family loves it, and I know you're going to love it too. Head over to zeroacre.com for an exclusive offer. Go to zeroacre.com slash Will Cole or use code Will Cole at checkout to claim this deal. That's Z-E-R-O-A-C-R-E dot com slash Will Cole. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I've taken AG1 by Athletic Greens for a long time now. It's daily nutrients plus long-term gut health support. AG1 is way more than just greens. It's all your key health products like multivitamins, multiminerals, pre and probiotics, and so much more working together synergistically to support your health. AG1 has been part of millions of mornings since 2010. With just one scoop, I know I'm getting the nutrients and gut health support that helps my body thrive and covers my nutritional Basis. You all know I look at nutrient deficiencies for a living on labs, and believe me, this fills in the gap for the most common 
nutrient deficiencies. It's made with 75 super high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients that deliver benefits like mood support, immune system support, sleep support, sustained energy throughout the day. So if you get lulls in energy, if you have any fatigue or brain fog, this is a great supportive tool and you get so much more. I also love that AG1 is delivered monthly, so I don't have to think about it. And also, pro tip, whenever you travel, I take the travel packs with me, so I just put it in my carry-on bag, and it's something I know I can depend on no matter where I'm at. So if you want to take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D, which supports your immune system, your energy levels, so much more. They're going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D, and also five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. So you have to go to athleticgreens.com slash willcole to claim this deal. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash willcole. Check it out. Clinically, something else that we look at is DHT, which is kind of like a potent form of testosterone, which we need that too. There's nothing wrong with testosterone or DHT, but this dihydrotestosterone or DHT is this hormone that's made from testosterone that we need for sexual function, we need for mood, we need for memory function. One study found that men between the ages of 34 and 70 showed improvements in memory when treated with DHT skin patches. So we need for brain function, mood, cognitive function, even these compounds, but Typically, if you're familiar with DHT, you're going to hear it as far as negative, right? And that's because excess of these hormones, especially a potent form like DHT, isn't good either, which I'll talk about in a moment. But something that came to my mind about DHT was when you look at autoimmunity mm -hmm. and how it's predominantly more women than men and the theories as to why that is. Well, one theory that I am aware of that's talked about within the scientific community and in the autoimmune community is the fact that estrogen is more, it heightens the immune system response. It's a hypervigilant immune system response. And testosterone tends to lower the immune system response. So I think that's part of why when you, that connection between hormonal imbalances and the way that's modulating the immune system. But men specifically with some autoimmune issues, men are three to 20 times less likely to get MS, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, Hashimoto's or autoimmune thyroid issues, Graves disease or autoimmune thyroid issues, Sjogren's. And researchers are really looking at this sort of protective benefit of testosterone and the protective, immunoprotective benefit of even something like DHT. So it's important not to demonize and overly reduce something as like good or bad, even with cortisol, right? We talked about that in the past episode. People think that's bad, but it's an endogenous immunosuppressant cortisol is. It's a natural anti-inflammatory. You just want a nice sleep-wake cycle. You want a good circadian rhythm of cortisol throughout the day. That's the same with testosterone. And then, and that's the same with dihydrotestosterone and this DHT levels. But high DHT will do exactly what Andrea just said. It can create pattern baldness. Oftentimes people that are having hair loss, it can mm -hmm. be androgenic. Androgenic alopecia is the technical term for it, where it's not an autoimmune issue. It's high levels of DHT. DHT can trigger inflammatory skin issues. The so people that have acne and even some forms of rosacea can be a 
component to rosacea. It can fuel types of cancer like prostate cancer. In excess, it can create depression in women. Women treated for major depression had higher levels in one study of DHT and other male sex hormones because it's it's an imbalance. It's a it's the breaking of that Goldilocks principle, right? So before we get into interventions, is there anything else you want to add on a physiological side, Andrea? Yeah, there was an interesting study, and I didn't even tell you about this, but I thought it was interesting because we I knew we were going to talk about high testosterone and how you talked about depression, but it can also, how many people say, oh, anger, oh, he's so angry, or there's associated with this, it can be associated with high testosterone. Mm -hmm. There was actually a study done just recently, this past year, and it was obviously an animal study. And they talked about how testosterone is not just aggression, but it can actually promote cuddling. And it's because it actually makes the animal pro-social. So it's this natural balance of, yes, he may be like when you have higher testosterone during like a mating season, but the testosterone levels don't drop and it doesn't make them more aggressive. If anything, it's social, it tips this scale into actually being what they call a super partner. And it they want to be more involved. They're more pro-social. They want to cuddle. There's more protection over it. So if you have the natural balances, it doesn't always just lead to aggression. I just thought that was a cool study about how we see testosterone as this mm-hmm. negative connotation sometimes, but we need it. Mm-hmm. If it's too high, yes, it's a problem. But actually, in some cases, it can it balances mood and helps with like you're saying, even depression and making people more pro-social. Love it. I love that. So now we've gone over some symptoms. We've gone over the effects of testosterone levels in the body. We've gone over some labs too that we run in functional medicine. Let's talk about some things that people can do. If they know they have low testosterone levels, probably the most well-researched way to support testosterone levels, healthy testosterone levels is exercise. Yes. One study found that doing four hours of moderate, which is about 55 to 70% of maximum heart rate exercise per week, increased testosterone by 250% compared to doing around two hours of exercise in this one study. So pretty powerful just by exercising. Resistance training seems to be especially effective, like picking up heavy things in at least two clinical trials that I'm aware of. It was it was more effective than cardiovascular workouts. So picking up appropriately heavy things for your body. I don't want people picking up too heavy weights and then saying <laughs> that Dr. Will Cole made them pick up heavy things. Don't hurt yourself. But starting off low and slow can be helpful. Increasing your protein yes. and increasing healthy fats and making sure you have a well-rounded level of sufficient levels of optimal levels of the essential amino acids that you're not going to get endogenously. You need to get it from food, but making sure you're optimizing protein was increased testosterone in one study by 300% and half having cortisol levels because less inflammation. The body needs to attenuate that inflammation less as it calms down. As far as healthy fats, low-fat diets are associated with reduced testosterone levels. We see this all the time. People start with the low-fat diets with the best of intentions. Maybe they're going more plant-based. Read Ketotarian if you are more plant-based and want to have healthy fats. But many people are still afraid of fats, healthy fats, which is just an incomplete perspective of healthy fats, right? They're overly reducing fats. It's all bad. But one study found, it was a small study of 30 men, showed a reduction of 
20% of testosterone after just eight weeks on a low fat, high fiber diet, i.e. your classic plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. Another way to increase T levels is reducing stress, which we're going to get to with Candace on the yes. feeling side of the gut feelings, the mental health side, reducing stress, unusual. I'll, I'll save this study too. If you, I'll save it. But another one would be improving sleep quality mm -hmm. because both of those stress and sleep will, if you optimize both of those, they will, and both multiple studies have shown it will increase testosterone levels. As far as nutrient deficiencies, let's talk about them. Yeah. You want to make sure you're optimizing your vitamin D. In one study of over 2,000 people, high vitamin D levels were associated with increased testosterone. This one study looked at 3,000 IUs a day, which is pretty moderate, increased testosterone by 25% in a trial of 165 young to middle-aged people. And it's the sunshine vitamin. So getting healthy levels of sun for your body and where you're at living in the world and your health risk factors, but healthy, getting moderate amount of sun has been shown to increase testosterone because of, in part at least, beyond just the light therapy, I think, which has its own benefits independent of vitamin D, but certainly it will help with vitamin D as well. But other nutrient deficiencies like zinc can increase testosterone levels, boron, magnesium, mm -hmm. folate, vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin E, all have clinical trials showing that will increase testosterone. So it's not just about that one nutrient. People typically go to zinc, but the reality is it's about nutrient density and bioavailable nutrient density. Yes. So how much can your body absorb? How your body maybe has to convert? For example, like if it's vitamin A, if you're getting a lot of beta carotene, which is the antioxidant, the carotenoid, body has to convert that into retinol. So getting bioavailable levels of vitamin A in the form of fatty fish, fatty dairy fat like ghee and butter and cheeses and liver, grass-fed liver organ meats will have a lot of these nutrients in them in their bioavailable form. And then, of course, a lot of plant-based nutrients as well. I'm not saying be carnivore, but omnivore, a sensible omnivore approach can be really providing lots of fiber, which is great for hormonal health as well as these polyphenols and antioxidants from the plant foods, which are great for hormonal health and the bioavailable nutrients from these foods. Yeah. And I know I'm throwing a lot out people, but there a few testosterone supporters, adaptogens, I have to mention things like ashwagandha, mucuna uh, purines, which is this compound called L-dopa, which is a precursor to dopamine. It can help from a brain function standpoint too. Shilajit, which we've talked about on the podcast a few <laughs> times, and yeah, so those are some supplements. Do you need all of these supplements? No, you do not. Start with food, start with bioavailable nutrient density, and then key supplementation can be helpful. Yeah. What say you, Andrea? All of those, because I, I was looking at those studies as well. I think some of the things, just to be practical to what Dr. Cole talked about, if you're trying to build muscle and you need protein. And if you need protein, why not pick ones that help with the bioavailability of certain nutrients? So like you had mentioned, I think it's when you see one area that's supported by more than the same, the same thing more than one time, I think it's important to talk about. So if you take and like even look at zinc foods and magnesium rich foods, there's a lot of things that you can do to bring in protein as well. That's mm -hmm. going to help with those natural minerals as well as build muscle and help with muscle mass. So mm -hmm. I think grass-fed beef, lamb are great choices. Something that 
if you are trying to be a little plant-based and you want to bring something in, you tolerate nuts and seeds well. Pumpkin seeds can be really good for you because they both fall under magnesium and zinc foods. You just have to be smart about it. And I think the stress management, I can't wait to talk to Candice about that because I think that's so important. But something we didn't mention, I would point out environmental factors. I don't think many people think about this, but certain cleaning products, scents, candles, like mm-hmm. are these things that we're breathing in in our yeah. environment. They're endocrine messing, disruptors. They're endocrine disruptors. So they're messing with our hormones. And really, so we can eat all the right foods, but if mm-hmm. you are plugging in, no offense, we won't throw any names out here, but any of those plugins you plug into your wall and you're breathing those in every day, is it offsetting the fact that you're eating some grass-fed beef for lunch? Maybe you need to evaluate more than one area. Mm-hmm. So I think stress is going to be one. Sleep is going to be one. These essential nutrients are going to be one. The vitamin D, obviously, and then magnesium as well, because there's quite a few studies of that, even on like just within four weeks of supplementing even just 10 milligrams of magnesium per kilogram body weight showed that there was a significant amount of hormone balance and increase of testosterone. So it's a Mm -hmm. very minimal amount of what just is a normal standard product that you can get at a lot of different places, including our website. (laughs) So there's a lot of things that you can do. I love the magnesium. I love our magnesium. I'm going to plug it. I'm not even shameless about it. Yeah, my daughter it, loves it too. I use yeah. it too. I use both because you have two kinds, right? On the website, I don't we think just have the we just have the magnesium. You're you're getting some stuff from the patient side oh, too. Probably, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm rating the. <laughs> All right, so guys, let me, now we just we just spilled the tea. Um, we have drwillcole.com, which is people ask us what are the basic stuff. Yes, right, and that we have methylated B vitamins. We have probiotic support. We have curcumin. We have adaptogen support, and we have magnesium support, amongst other things. Yes. Candace also has access to things that our telehealth patients have, which we like to base on labs. Are more geared the, towards symptoms. Current, yes. Yeah, all specific case about. history. So, yes. Yeah, so become a telehealth patient <laughs> and you get access to like hundreds of other po- possible things. Not that you need a hundred possible yes. things, but it's curated but, and customized based on your labs. But isn't it remarkable how the body is interconnected? We're talking about how we need to increase muscle mass and and work out. Well, and then we talk about protein, but then we talk about magnesium and we talk about this essential nutrient as well, but it also helps with relaxation and calming. Mm. And so the body is crying out. And if you're seeing a deficiency in one area, you're probably seeing it in another, but I would if you're going to look at everything, also look at any sort of endocrine disruptors that are in your yeah, environment that's every a good day. Point. And we see these a lot. We'll see different herbicides, pesticides, different endocrine disruptors from products that people use in their home. Or on their body. On their body, in the environment that will cumulatively over time, we're not talking about necessarily acute toxicity. We're talking about chronic accumulation. That's the difference here. That's built up in the body over time. And we can quantify this via blood and urine tests. So don't underestimate the environmental toxin component to endocrine health or hormonal health. You're absolutely right. Drinking water isn't easy for everyone, but the fact is staying hydrated allows your mind to work better, allows for clearer skin, and overall you feel great. But finding a drink that's tasty enough to make you keep coming back without extra sugars and calories to drink regularly can be tough. Air Up is a new drinking system that flavors your water through scent and makes hydration fun and tasty. Science calls this experience retronasal smell, which is essentially using your sense of smell to taste. 
easier than chopping up fruit and adding it to your glass, and just as health conscious as drinking plain water because, well, it is. Just fill the bottle with either still or sparkling water, pop on a flavor pod, and that's all you have to do. It's a way to turn plain water into a tasty and exciting beverage. You're going to love this. And for the cherry on top, there's no sugar, no calories, or any artificial ingredients. Honestly, it makes drinking water so much easier and enjoyable. There are loads of flavors to pick from, like watermelon, peach, cherry, and my personal favorite, raspberry lemon, and many more. Anyway, for those of you out there that are looking to drink more water and finally actually enjoy it, Air Up has got you covered. Get the best of both worlds, tasty flavors, and all the benefits of water today with Air Up by clicking the Air Up link in the description. To those curious about taking the next steps towards personal wellness and want to be more proactive about their healthy choices, Vive Organic is the fresh wellness brand that strengthens your immune system with nature's most powerful ingredients. Vive holds themselves to the highest quality of sustainably sourced, fresh-pressed ingredients. Vive is doctor-crafted for effectiveness you can trust. There's zero added sugar in this stuff, zero artificial flavors, zero artificial colors. Vive never waters down their shots. These wellness shots are available in a variety of different blends for every immune-boosting occasion. They have some amazing flavors. I love the Vive Organic Sampler Pack. With this Vive Organic Sampler Pack, you can try an assortment of their fresh-pressed immunity-boosting shots. And I'd love for you to tell me which one is your favorite. They have the Vive Immunity Boost that has ginger root, turmeric, echinacea, and black pepper. They have the Immunity Boost Elderberry. That's ginger, turmeric, elderberry, and black pepper. They have Immunity Boost with Cayenne that has ginger, turmeric, cayenne, and black pepper. They also have the Energy Plus Immunity Boost that has blueberry, ginger, and also just a little caffeine to support your energy levels and different neurotropics and adaptogens with a blend of organic roots and fruits for the ultimate daily immune system strengthener with no crash, no crazy buzz, just fresh pressed focus to get you through the day. Vive Organic is USDA organic, doctor crafted, no sugar added, 100% recycled bottles, gluten-free, certified vegan, verified non-GMO, and plant-powered. To kickstart your wellness journey, use code WILLCOLE for 15% off. And to learn more, visit viveorganic.com. That's V-I-V-E. O-R-G-A-N-I-C.com, viveorganic.com. Use code WILLCOLE for 15% off. One thing about DHT, if someone ha- knows they have high androgenic alopecia, baldness, hair changes, skin, acne issues, some natural compounds that have evidence to show that, that it helps to support lower DHT levels is potent form of testosterone, T, which you know, I love some tea. Well, there's another reason. It can help to balance out DHT levels. Nettle root, which we use in a lot of patients' protocols, stinging nettle, and curcumin, saw palmetto, all can help to support levels, healthy levels of DHT. Yes. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. So if I'm someone coming to the clinic and I suspect, and you guys confirm, that hormonal issues are my primary issue, and I say, Andrea, 
I've dealt with this for 10 years. What's the outlook for me? How long is it going to take to kind of right this ship? That's a good question. What do you guys say to those patients? Typically, and now here, when you hear these things, people can get mentally overwhelmed. So yeah. in context, I'm always very gentle with this. How long it takes the body heal doesn't necessarily mean how long it's going to take you to feel better. And that's what we see. So with our with clinical studies, we understand that hormones can take roughly anywhere from 12 to 24 months to correct course. However, most patients are obviously feeling better before that time. But I think it's good to have that almost that guiding light of understanding. You know, people can become frustrated because healing is not linear. It has its ups and its downs. So for us, we need to be mindful of that. And then also, I mean, not that we're going to get off tangent here and talk about other things, but what's impacting the hormones in the first place? That's also, we can do a lot of things to help support clearing. Let's, we'll give you all the tea. We'll give you all the magnesium. We'll do all the awesome stress relieving things. But is there something creating the dysfunction in the first place? So I think that that's where from a if you're a patient standpoint, that's what we're doing. I also think that evaluating your symptoms, looking at it through that metabolic format, like we had talked about, we didn't talk too much about, but we ask about these things before we ever have a lab in our, in our hands. Yep. We're looking at your inability to concentrate episodes of depression, muscle soreness. We're looking at unexplained weight gain. We're looking at hair loss or for women, hair growth in other places like hair twism. We're looking at those things that are all connected with that 5-A-DHT and the different androgens and metabolites associated with testosterone. All of this can sound really overwhelming. I know we just gave you guys a ton of really great information, and but the simple things are the good things that you can do. So if it means bringing in some tea into your diet, bring some tea in. If it means you want to order that awesome magnesium on drwilkul.com, go ahead and order that awesome magnesium. If it means just increasing your protein, it's something I'm personally working on. I realized I was massively under eating protein, not because I was not eating. I just wasn't feeding my body the way that I think my body was asking for. So increasing and adding an extra protein source during the day. You Take mean, these for are, what this is. Are you is. telling me we don't advocate for eating disorders? No, we don't. Wow. Shocking. I know. I mean, I'm sitting here talking about you need to eat more people. Look at that. Look at how many grams of protein you should be having for your physical activity. Increase. Go for a walk. Like d do things that can really help your body. Don't become overwhelmed and be like, oh my gosh, I have all those symptoms. I would tell them, hey, let's take it one step at a time. Let's look at this journey. Let's look at what this means. And then we'll, we'll continue to unroot those deeper rooted issues so that we can help the body heal. Yeah. So mental health is physical health. We just talked about how testosterone, because of these physiological issues, physical issues, and it's multifactorial, it's normally not just one thing, will impact our mood. It'll impact things like fatigue, brain fog, depression, and lots of other health issues, right? But then conversely, things like stress and you're not sleeping well, it will impact testosterone levels too. So it'll impact our, our physiology, it'll impact our yes. biochemistry. So that's the other side of the coin here. One study found high levels of stress when there's specifically higher levels of cortisol over a long period of time, this thing that we need, but we need balance of it, high cortisol levels reduce testosterone levels in two studies that I'm aware of. So it's inversely proportional. The higher your cortisol is over time, it tends to lower testosterone levels. And another study found that sleeping just five hours per night was associated with a 15% reduction of 
testosterone levels. So you're not sleeping enough, decreasing, while sleeping only four hours, which linked to borderline testosterone deficiency in a study of 12 people, a small study, but significant when you have that sleep-wake cycle of cortisol and the impact that, of that having on other hormones. So what's something we can do to support our parasympathetic, that resting, digesting, to support our hormone levels on the feeling side of the gut feelings? Yeah, I asked my question with motives. Okay. Or motives. <laughs> So I loved the answer that you gave, Andrea. And one of the things you said is, I know this can be overwhelming, but do what you can or don't fret about it. What I want to talk about is that, well, don't fret about it piece because you hear that over and over again, but how do you practically get to the point where you don't fret about it when your hormone settings are telling you to fret about it? Like mm -hmm. that's part of what you're trying to modulate, right? So just like when we are doing labs and functional medicine, what I'm going to share with you is a process of getting to sort of your emotional baseline and then working so that the cup of tea doesn't just become a cup of tea. It becomes an, an empowered practice of, I know Love this is that. moving me toward whatever, or when you're working on your sleep habits, because when patients come to us, we talk about the nutrition, we talk about sleep, we talk about stress. And those are those big, huge three. But when you're someone that's not sleeping at night, what do you guys hear over and over again? They're stressed about the fact that they can't get to sleep yeah. or anyone who's been in acute stress and you're not sleeping. Mm -hmm. What thoughts go through your mind about that? Right? So we have to sort of get in between and talk about, well, where's our baseline? And so this practice, this cycle that I've gone through many times, I'm going to recommend is we have to know your starting point of what your thoughts are about your health. And so this is something we walk patients through all the time. But a simple journaling exercise, and this can be scary, is to just ask yourself, what do I believe right now about my health? Or you could ask yourself, why is my health this way? Or you could ask yourself, why am I anxious? Why am I depressed? Why am I in pain? Why am I not getting better? The point is you want to poke a little bit to get those answers, get those responses. You know, maybe somebody's response is, I've tried everything and I'm broken. You know, have you guys heard things like that on in, all the time. On initial consults? Yeah, we hear them all the time at the clinic. And it's like, if you go from that message of my body's broken, that's a hard starting point. But just like with labs, we need to know this is this is what we're dealing with, right? So you can write, really purge all those funky thoughts. Just purge them out, write them out, look at what you're dealing with. And then the next piece of this journaling practice is to say to yourself, I'm willing to look at this thought, belief, message, reality, whatever it is, I'm willing to see this differently. If you can't get there, you can break it down and say, I'm willing to entertain the idea that I could see this differently. Do you see how like micro yeah. we can really get to? Because there, mm -hmm. if your nervous system is dysregulated, if you've had trauma, if you've had these things, you might be stuck in in freeze. And so it's not just in your head that you're having trouble moving forward. So you have to get your, your little self on board with yourself, right? So this is the first way to do it. And then once you commit to that path, when you encounter the sleepless nights, this, you know, stressed out days, the I'm nervous. I had, a, this is a crazy thing to be nervous about, but my 14 year old is talking, talking to a girl and brought her over for the first time. Mm -hmm. I was so nervous. I could feel <laughs> butterflies in my <clears throat> stomach. And this is a, this is a good positive life stressor. But in that moment, what it was an opportunity to say, this really matters to me. 
And yeah. my body's doing what it should do if this really matters to me. I look at the same thing. Like I look at my belly fat and I'm like, I, you, it's dramatically shifted and changed as I've, you know, taken all of these measures. But when I know that pieces of it are still there, I know it's because my body was doing what it was meant to do to protect me. Yeah. Make, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. 100%. So, yeah. So you're accepting. So that's, that's step three, I guess, is accepting where you are accepting that you make sense even in the dysregulated state. I know I say this a lot, but I think it's worth repeating. And then if you can move further when you're experiencing that grounding practices and pendulation bring you right back into the moment, you need those anchors. You need to be able to like do that Xerox machine scan on your body <laughs> and find a place that like if you're if you have RA and your joints are giving you daily pain, find the spot that isn't in pain. Is it your earlobe? Is it your, you know, very tippy top of your head? Realize that there there's relief there or do sensory experiences, smell the, smell the flowers. I know it sounds trite, but it's true. Smell the flowers, use your essential oils, vagus nerve stimulation, stuff like cold water on your face. Mm -hmm. When I, uh, when my daughter experiences anxiety, we do a cold bottle of water and you put it on your chest. Like these are real interventions that you can do to ground in the moment. And then that don't look weird. If no. you're at work and you're just holding a bottle of water there for a second, it just honestly, you just could be in the middle of thinking of something. It's, yeah. it's not a big deal. Yeah. So there's all the, and there's so many ways, like if you get gut feelings, you have how many of these like practices yeah. that you can lean into for sure. So that's like a, if you have no other resource, gut feelings is a really great resource for some of these practices. And then the last step is really go back, go back to step one, because that little process that I went through, you know, as you go through it month to month, when you check back with yourself, you realize you're at a new starting point. It's just like getting yeah. a recheck on labs or checking in on your symptoms. Yeah. Yes. This now is my reality. Okay. Yeah. Where do I want to go from there? Things. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's my spiral of upward spiral, my upward spiral of what could we call it? Regulation. Yeah. Hormonal healing. Yeah. 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 I love that. But that's what we walk patients through. I love that. Super good. And these are, I mean, on the feeling side, we're talking about completely free things. Yeah. Completely free, just other than your time. Yes. And you all have time. Go look at your cell phones. I'm just going to tell you that now. <laughs> Some tough love over here. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I, I love you, but- We've heard excuses for 13 yeah, years I, and we work through them. Yes. I, I Literally, you could bring me any excuse. I'll find you a solution. <laughs> well, and you wouldn't expect like, you know, Dr. Cole saying, go flip tires in the name of testosterone, right? That's what you said earlier. Yeah, is, yeah, that's that's a direct quote. <laughs> direct quote. <laughs> but you would never put that ex expectation on yourself. Like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna exercise. I'm going to lift. Say you're going to start lifting weights as a, a woman. You would never say, oh, I'm going to go and, and lift 75 pounds deadlift right away. Mm -hmm. And if you do pause for a moment and think about if that's going to help you. Yeah. Really think about that. But you wouldn't do that. The same thing happens with these mental wellness support processes. You have to realize that you're where you're starting from and really build from there. Lift the weight that's comfortable for you. Yeah. And then and your nervous progress. system really and slowly right. progress because you can only a uh, common phrase in the somatic experiencing world is you can only go as fast as your slowest part. Mm. I love that. So when you're thinking about that self, you know, really be kind. What is that slowest part of you and how can you get them along? Yeah, that's deep wisdom right yeah. there. 
Candace, yeah. can I leave them with a single thought at the what they can check back with themselves on something that I've told patients forever? No, this is my segment. You can't <laughs> give them wisdom. <laughs> no, I just I think the thing that I we always want to say because with that brokenness and we see that a lot. And if this is the only podcast you ever listen to of ours, I want you to know that your body is designed to heal. Yes. So at the end of the day, even if that's your starting point, Candace's way and what she talked you through. I know that eventually you're going to get to the point where you can see that your body was designed for this. Oh, and a, quick things. This is what, something I wanted to mention. So right now, like Andrea and Will, like kind of just like sit up, feet on the ground. Okay. And like, well, what if your, you're short and your feet don't? Well, I mean, Andrea, not there's, that short, Andrea. there's hope for you, Andrea. <laughs> it's not terminal. Um, <laughs> your body is designed. So just change your posture. So go kind okay. of power posture, shoulders back high, take a few breaths, open up your eyes a little bit bigger. Right there, just doing this for a few seconds, you've shifted testosterone levels in your body. There's all kinds of crazy studies that talk about power postures. So don't forget. Yeah. Yeah. Like power postures. That's right. Yeah. There's put, hope. Your, put your arms like Superman on your. Yep. yep. I've seen that study. So if that's what gets you through, it gets you through like that's, that's truth there. So in the in on the longer journey of healing, there are all of these little adjustments that you're making in real time. I love that. I love that. So if someone's feeling maybe a little run down the middle of a Zoom meeting, shift your posture. Yeah. I mean, Get we that forget superhero. these things. Get it. No one's going to see you with your Pick hand on your head. Pick you a name feel for your superhero. Little, I don't know. They seem energized now just looking at you. <laughs> oh, a little. yeah. Wow. That, that, that did it. <laughs> that did it. <laughs> just Gaslight my practice. <laughs> I could totally no, see I that you're I, perked I, up. I, I, you know, I am. I, I think not. it was the eye thing, that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I'm that excited about it. No, it's true. It's true. It's true. It's actually, I've seen studies, power power poses. Power poses. I love it. We're going to do it Strike together. Strike a power lunch. pose, people. I love it. They joke, but we're going to power pose <laughs> That's here. That's right. We're going to power poses out. Before we go, my friends, we have a special intimate conversation with one of our telehealth patients. So if you want to learn more about what we do, all the stuff we're talking about with the Telehealth Center, check it all out at drwillcool.com. But now I'll send you over to a special conversation I had with one of our dear patients. Corinne, my friend, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Super excited to be here. Longtime fan of the podcast, even before you were my doctor, you were in my ear, in my car, very often on the podcast. That's amazing. I love to hear that. (laughs) And you know, because you listen to the podcast that we have at the end of the mental health is physical health episodes, we have just a personal, intimate conversation from one of our our telehealth patients. And the goal of this is multiple reasons. But one of the main reasons is that I know, and I've heard for the past 13 plus years that people feel so isolated and they don't know anybody else is going through something similar to them. So I feel like there's such this catharsis that happens when somebody knows they're not alone and they know there's someone out there that understands what they're going through. And yes, we want to provide that as a clinic for sure, but it's not the same as someone that's actually walking through something very similar or identical to what they're going through. And, And hearing other people's stories helps us to metabolize like stored trauma and helps this sense of community and that, and this hope, the others to see the other side of, of impossible, or to see someone in the thick of it that's not even on the other side of impossible yet, but that's just doing the thing and starting to heal and go through this 
non-linear healing journey. So thank you so much for for sharing your story. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like I said, you know, I know for me, listening to the podcast and hearing what you do and hearing the the stories of patients in the clinic is was really helpful to me. And I know just as I've evolved in my journey, both with the the medical and physical side of things, but also the emotional. It's so great to have people that you feel like you can connect with, even if you've never met them in person. But that connection that something like your podcast gives the ability for people to do with people in like situations is just great. So I'm happy to hopefully be able to bring that to some of the people listening today. I have no doubt about it. So let's go back in time for you. Whatever you're comfortable with sharing, like where did your, where the things we're dealing with now and supporting now on your health journey what was the origins for you when we went really back in time? What did that look like for you? Yeah, well, it's funny because if we look at just the physical health side, some of those symptoms started in the last 10 years. But I think for me, it really starts much earlier than that. And where that lands is back in, in being a middle school girl and really leaning on eating disorders to help cope with some of the things that I was dealing with and really having for a really long time a hate-hate relationship with my body. And so for me, I think when I really look now that I have a little bit better vision on where this all started, the the physical symptom started much after all of the emotional stuff that I had been dealing with and what continued on through my teens and my 20s and then finally started manifesting from a health perspective in my 30s. And so starting with having that eating disorder and the impact that that had on me, like you said, all the time, physical health is mental health and my mental health was was not there. I was a people pleaser. I had eating disorders and all this thing, these things I believe compounded over time and started manifesting in my physical symptoms. And my physical symptoms were initially things like my hair was thinning. I had no, no idea why I was young. I considered myself healthy. Like I actually was on trend with paleo and like not eating gluten and like doing all the things that seemed to be the right things. In retrospect, realizing I didn't love myself. I didn't love my body. I was forcing even the things that I were, were was doing were for like the wrong reasons, right? I was doing it to look a certain way, to fit a certain mold, to continue with that eating disorder mentality, as opposed to doing it from a place of love and support for my body. So anyway, it manifested with, with hair loss, just generally not feeling good, fatigue, irritability, cloudy headedness, just just not really feeling great, like not really being able to put my finger on one thing. And I went the traditional medicine route to look into it, was told my labs are fine. Everything looks good. There's nothing, you know, to do. And Luckily, because of my involvement in a little bit more of like the modalities that were outside of the the traditional medicine world, I explored functional medicine as well. But honestly, prior to coming to you, I'd gone through two different functional approaches that I really still felt like didn't get down to the root cause of, of what was going on. And so 
listening to your podcast, hearing you talk, there were some things that really indicated to me that you were really committed to to going another level down and really finding the root cause issue. And so there were just a few moments I remember. And like I said, I, I listened to you for a long time before I ever reached out and and even reached out at one point and then was another couple months before I actually became a patient. But you were talking about burning tongue syndrome. And that is something that I had experienced. It it literally went on for like a year where it felt like my, my tongue was burnt. And nobody, neither functional nor in the traditional medicine world, had any kind of explanation for me. And I remember sitting in my car, listening to your podcast and you talking about that and me being like, he gets it. Like there's finally someone who's like mentioning one of the many things that were my check engine lights, as you would say, that were were presenting themselves. And it was just like this light bulb moment to me. Like, it's not hopeless. There is someone out there who can help me. And a few more moments like that. And then I became a patient. I love it. I didn't realize, I mean, I knew your symptoms, but I didn't realize that was the impetus was us talking about that. I remember me talking about it on the podcast. I remember an article that I wrote about it, obviously. And it's always over the years, it's been always by my, been my intention specifically with writing is writing and knowing, Hey, I've seen this clinically and I know that they're not the only ones going through this that I just, you never know whose life you're going to touch. And, and I realized there are thousands and thousands more people that won't ever reach out to the clinic, but took some information from the article and asked their doctor about it or tried some things out on their own that it's just amazing, right? It's such, it never has lost on me, the power of our words and what we put out in the world. And the intention is to just pr- provide hope to people that are really struggling. So that means a lot to hear it. And now knowing you, it's, it's even cooler to see that this come full circle for you. So was there anything as you leaned into functional medicine specifically with us, was whatever you're comfortable sharing something, the most surprising on the labs that you were like, whoa, like, I didn't expect that or was everything pretty much because you're so dialed in and intuitive, you kind of got it. No, see, that's the thing that I think I really was eye-opening about this process for me is I had done the Dutch test. I had done the stool test. I have, I'd done like the, I don't know, I, this may not be the best term, but like the entry-level stuff that kind of every functional doctor says like, hey, let's do these things. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't expect to have any surprises. And so I was surprised to find that I was surprised because you guys really took it a deeper level. And your team's phenomenal, by the way. I know that you hear that all the time, but they really just are absolutely incredible. But I I was super surprised because I had never been tested for mold. I had never been tested for Lyme. And so while I had had inflammation markers and pre-autoimmune markers in my blood that were saying, hey, like you're showing some autoimmune signs, I didn't have the main reason as to what was causing that. So we still had, there wasn't enough investigative work done to really say, yeah, you're experiencing these things. Yeah, your hormones are imbalanced. Yeah, you have leaky gut. Like, okay, like I got those things, but why are all these things happening? Mm-hmm. And it's like that cascade effect that you talk about. Like there's this one primary issue that's cascading down to all these different problems, right? Mm-hmm. So 
my hormones being out of balance and my leaky gut and all of that were really compounding from other issues that I was I was mm-hmm. having. I loved that you guys asked for my 23andMe results to actually look from a genetic perspective what I was dealing with. It was actually really confirming to know like genetically, you may not be great at detoxing, right? Like, okay, it's not just that I'm not as an A-type person, as someone like from that eating disorder, people pleasing, it's not just that I'm not honed in enough. It's not that I'm just still haven't cut out all the right foods, still haven't gotten the exact right supplement. Like, no, like there's a genetic reason why you're having some of these challenges that may need some additional support. So it was really eye-opening for me to finally feel like I got down to the core issues, which were mold, and and now we were kind of past the initial, we did the retest on mold that improved dramatically. Now we're re- kind of recalibrating and focusing on the Lyme. And so I had no idea that those two things would pop up, right? Like it was not even in my realm to consider that that may have been a problem. So it was mm-hmm. really eye-opening. And I think that timed really perfectly with me over the last few years, doing a lot of work on my eating disorder, doing a lot of work on my self-worth and fixing some of that battle with my body, Mm -hmm. working with you kind of came at the perfect time to really be able to do it in the right way. And I think previously with people with eating disorders, sometimes they, practitioners are hesitant Mm -hmm. to really want to help them healing when it comes to the food piece of it. Mm-hmm. And you you and I had a really direct conversation on our very first consultation where I told you like, hey, in the past, when I worked from a functional perspective, people haven't wanted to touch any of the diet stuff with me because of my eating disorder past. But I think I'm ready to go there with the right support. And I promise that I will be open in communication with you if you help me walk through this side by side. And I feel like you guys really met me where I was. and were exactly what I needed in that moment to kind of take that healing to the next level. Thanks, Corinne. I, I remember that conversation vividly. And I'm glad that you brought this up and we're willing, uh, open to going there because it, you know this, it's always, it is always a something that we want to be open and honest and, and cross the bridge with somebody that's had a past history of eating disorders. And it's always a balancing act of that individual, where are they at in recovery? Are they working with an eating disorder, disorder specialist or not? If if not, maybe they need to be, uh, depending on where they're at in their journey. And when you talk about certain foods that maybe don't love somebody back that are causing digestive issues or impacting their mood or whatever, it's causing some autoimmune response because we're dealing primarily people that have, that are somewhere on that autoimmune inflammation spectrum. They are not your typical group of people that that have quote unquote a past history with, with eating disorders because food for, for many of them, not everybody, food does play a role in why they feel the way that they do. So it's this very delicate individual conversation that we have to take into consideration and prioritize what's even reasonable for them. And, and, and like you said, be open and honest if something is uncomfortable or not somewhere where we're not, we shouldn't head there. And even if on paper, it's something that's clinically appropriate, we do not want to be adding to any disordered eating around foods. So I know that's a lot to unpack, but like for you, what did that look like for you? And maybe for anybody that's out there that maybe has a past history with eating disorder, 
how did you balance these two worlds of not coming from restriction, but also realizing that some foods don't love your body back right now? Yeah. So a couple of things that I want to say there. One, I have a phenomenal therapist who I've been working with for a while now who I I have that as every other week, her and I are connecting. We're talking through what's coming up for me. And then a second thing I just want to want to really call out is that there were some things that when, you know, your team and you came to me with the protocol that I said, I think that might be a challenge for me. Like, I think that might be just a little too much. And it was so encouraging for you guys to say like, no problem, right? Like I, again, I like to say I'm a people pleaser in recovery, trying to be at least. I I like to do things by the book. So if you guys didn't give me that space to say that, I would have just been the got to do it this way. And then when I stumbled, when I wasn't able to do it because I, I I sensed that, I would have had shame. I would have beat myself up about it. I would have been disappointed in myself. And that's exactly what I'm trying to heal from, right? Like the last thing I need in, in going through a protocol that's healing is to throw more shame in the mix. And I know you talk a lot about that in your new book, that feelings, which I absolutely love, by the way. I think it really, as someone in recovery from eating disorder, it really just speaks to me on so many levels. But I think what really worked for me is that I was coming from a place of finally showing my body love in the protocol instead of willing it to be something to accomplish some other ulterior motive, right? Like it was never about true wellness. When I really look back to all the things I did prior to the last few years, it was really about still living in that eating disorder, restriction, wanting to have it for some other reason. And I think this this protocol and this time in my life, I was really able to to come at it from a place of healing and love and finally taking the time to really appreciate my body. And I know one of the things you say is you can't heal a body you hate. And for a long time, I hated my body. And I was not doing the things from a place of love. And I really think that I had a turning point. And that was what really enabled me to be able to do something like a protocol and have things that were restrictive because I tried to change the verbiage to I want to do this instead of I can't have this food. You know, I'm choosing not to have this food because I don't want something in my body that's not going to help me facilitate this healing. Mm -hmm. Well said. And just to give another caveat, there are people that are earlier on in their eating disorder recovery journey where we don't even talk about food and we're working in conjunction with their eating disorder therapist and we focus on other things, mind-body practices, breathwork, somatic practices, supplementation when it's appropriate, and the eating disorder specialist is dealing entirely with food and there's no food changes. So that's just a caveat for people that food changes always have to be for the individual at that point in their journey. So if you're dealing with an eating disorder, that is something that's important to know, that it's not all about food. It's like someone's relationship with food and relationship with their body matters just as much as the food, the gut and the feelings, the physical and the psychological. So thank you for highlighting that. 
I, and you're you're still on this journey right now with us. So we're like in real time, someone that's walking through this. And I'm really, you mentioned the mycotoxin test, like the whole clinic was cheering you on. You're doing some amazing things. But what, where are you at now for people that have like, that are like, okay, where is she at now? What, where were, were you versus where you're at now? What's the update? Yeah, so I'm about six months in and just recently did my retest on a bunch of my labs. So I have, like I said, excitedly found that lots of improvements, which were just really reassuring. When I went over my labs with Emily, she was like, like, it felt like getting an A on a paper. She was like, I'm just so proud of, you know, where you are. Yes, there's still areas to work on, but you've made so much progress. And so like, it felt really reassuring because it was, work may be the wrong term, but I mean, it's not easy to go through six months of a protocol. Like, it's just not. That's the Mm -hmm. reality of the situation. So to see those results change was really reaffirming of like, okay, like, like I'm headed in the right direction finally. Like we are doing the right things in the right order and I'm seeing improvement. And I know when when I very first got my my lab results, the first go around, the Lyme had popped up there, but we weren't really sure if Lyme was because of the mold. Like sometimes you guys will see it show Lyme, but it's really just because of mold. And so when most of the mold was cleared out and we saw, okay, these Lyme markers are still there. Now we're, let, let's focus on that. So mm-hmm. I've ordered my, my Lyme protocol supplements. They should be here shortly. I'm excited to you know kind of move from the mold protocol onto the Lyme protocol. I have started doing reintroductions, which is super exciting. I really missed eggs. So I'm like really glad that that's like on the short list of things that I get to start adding back in. But from all of that, my my hair, like I have all this little baby hair growth here that's coming back in. My skin, I used to get like acne on my chin really bad. My skin is like the clearest that it's ever been. I've not had any skin issues. Like it's literally miraculous. I feel better. My energy levels are better. I'm sleeping great. So I still have rain fog at times. I still have a ways to go. Like it's not all sunshine and rainbows, but mm-hmm. all these things are moving in the right direction, which for me is really helping to motivate me to continue on the path, right? Like, yes, we're going to tackle Lyme and then we're going to relook at hormones and like we have a path and I'm a planner. So knowing that there is a path is incredibly helpful to me to just be like, okay, next, we're knocking out the line. Then we're going to recheck the hormones and see what we need to do there. And having the support from you and your team has just been crucial in getting to where I am now. And then seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and seeing that there's healing happening in my body. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. And just a little bit of back context for people. Sometimes, like Crane mentioned, when somebody has multiple biotoxins that are showing up on labs, sometimes, like you said, you don't want to assume because a lot of things are lit up or positive that specifically when you have Lyme 
and co-infections that are tick-borne with other pathogens like mold. Sometimes the immunologist at the lab will call it polyreactivity, when the immune system's kind of reacting to lots of different things. It doesn't mean they're all active infections. It's sort of of a hypervigilant immune response that you kind of, as the dust settles and you deal with some primary things, the bigger things on the lab, then many people, the labs go normal when you deal with those upstream issues. And for sometimes they don't, and there's more than one thing. It's not just one thing. And I think it's important for people to realize it can be a confluence of factors. So we kind of start with the bigger, more obvious ones and then kind of go from there. That's, that's a common strategy. And I'm glad that we're getting, getting there for you. You're doing a great job. Yeah. Thank you. It was really nice to have it broken into bite-sized chunks, just to be able to really think through that as well, because if, it would have been when I first got my lab results that you guys were like, okay, we need to focus on mold. We need to focus on Lyme. We need to focus on your hormones. We need to focus on this. Like it it, it felt much more palatable to say like, mm-hmm. okay, we're starting here and then let's reevaluate where we are once we handle the mold. And it was like, okay, like I can do that, right? Like that's manageable. I can see the runway to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And then when we get there, we'll figure out what needs to happen from there. So that was absolutely incredible. And then just really being able to connect with other patients that were going through similar things. So I was in the concierge program, which means I get weekly calls with you, which is amazing because a million questions come up. I I love that. And even if you came into the call not having a question, other people would start talking and then you'd be like, oh, well, now I have a question. And yeah. so to so get that weekly support with other people who are patients, but then also to have that ability to ask you the questions and being able to email your team, which they're probably like, oh, here's current again with another question. No. Um, but it was just, it made me feel so held and supported in a time where I really needed that. So Thank I'm you. just forever grateful to to you and your incredible, incredible team. We love you so much. And it's just truly a sacred responsibility to be a part of your health journey, just like all of our patients. But specifically, you're a bright light and you are a joy. Whenever we see you on the clinic, we go over case reviews in the morning, as you know. When you're on the schedule, the whole team's like just raves about you. You're you're a, a gem of a person. And I think you're a true testament that people can go through tough things sometimes, but still see, be a light. And, and it, that's a testament, I think, to your character and resilience and grit. And it does not go unnoticed. And we're honored to be a part of your health journey, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure to be here today. And I just absolutely look forward to what's to come and more great things. And and like I said, because I listened to the podcast, I feel like I knew everyone on your team before I even <laughs> talked to any of you guys. So it was really nice to like connect. You guys feel like old friends that have just been there forever. So I really appreciate it. Likewise, my friend. Likewise. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back every Monday and Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon.
Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.